What's good, everybody in Bracago? This is episode 215 of the Spawn Me podcast. I'm your host, Kylie Adams, and I'm joined this week and every week by my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the man with the newest bourbon in the land. It is Cicero Holmes. How are you doing, sir? I am doing very, very well. Uh, I tip my liquid racism up to the rest of Bracago. <laughs> as I taste it. Nicely done. Nicely done. Yeah. You got that liquid racism poured out yes. in, in a beautiful glass. That is correct. And sir. a sniffer. Is it, what, is it a sniffer or a, sni- a snifter? A snifter. What is it, what it, a snifter. It's a snifter, right? But this is actually a highball glass. So, uh, But I do have snifters, um, you know, because I'm I'm a classy motherfucker. So, um, oh, yeah, so so wow. I do have snifters. But I, I break out highball glasses for uh, for show nights. True, yeah. true, true. Also rocking with us this week and every week, we have my man, my mellow, the man who makes science look good, the man who makes mini froze look good, the man who makes tutoring look good. It is Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. How are you, sir? What up? I got glasses. Cups. <laughs> <laughs> like my cups don't have names, okay? I got. Well, no, I have cups. I have mugs. I do have wine glasses. Only stemless, though, because I break the shit out of stemmed wine glasses all the time. <laughs> So just just angry. Of, so I have a bunch of stemless wine glasses. By the way, Crate and Barrel, if you ever want to endorse us, you have very great stemless wine glasses for a great price as well. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I don't have highball with snifters. I don't know what you're even talking about. I got regular cups, man. I put my liquor in regular cups. <laughs> I feel like okay. there's, a, a, there's a big gulp cup that you washed out back there somewhere. Right. <laughs> Look, it, it might be something that I got from a Happy Meal in 1986. You know, like, who knows? Russian grape a, juice. Actually, rice. funny enough, I still have a mug that I used in college. Wow. So I graduated college in 2002. So, so that True. mug is, you know, 16 years old at this point. Um, and I, 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 I still rock it. Still rock it. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. It's this one of those things where you go back and you're like, I remember what I did when I first got that mug. And then you talk about that to your friends and then they laugh at you. Memories. I'm kind of used to to being laughed at. So it's okay. Oh, word. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That other wonderful voice that you hear in now face, because we're doing this on Twitch. Uh, we have a wonderful guest with us this week. I'm going to read oh, everything no. off your LinkedIn because oh, no. this is super dope. Oh, you have so oh. many dope things on here. So one of Forbes magazine's 30 under 30 rising stars media for 2013. She's best known for the award-winning blog, racealicious.com in the section of race and pop culture. She's currently the deputy editor. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Deputy editor, digital innovation for ESPN's the undefeated. We have Latoya Peterson. What's good, Latoya? How hey, are you doing? Thank you so much you? for coming through. So you got my whole bio. I normally give people the gamer bio. I'm like, yes, I've been playing video games. The end. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Don't be looking at my well pro life. Done. It's my other life. <laughs> like, right. Stay over here. We got to give you respect, dude, because you make magical things. Happen. You do a lot of fantastic work, and you have for a very long time. Thank so, you. you know, Thank we, you. We are blessed and super happy to have you with us this week. Right, and I, and um, I love the Spawn On Me podcast. I cannot claim to be a regular listener because I am, like, two years behind on the read. I am. <laughs> Jenna's still processing. It's still processing in my queue. But I always enjoy seeing y'all. I enjoy your work. You know, shout out to Tanya, who is half deaf and rolling around still. So. Shout out to all y'all. Shout out to all y'all for what you're doing and keeping that torch flame 
when all of us old racing gaming bloggers retired, y'all just kept going. <laughs> so, so I was like, and a special, yeah. a special, special shout out to Tanya because today right. is her birthday. That's right. Happy birthday. Uh, yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah, so we got to give her love. To Nah, nah, come on. She, you know, she's not here. She's not here to hear it all, and she can't hear it because she got double ear infection. So that was awful. You know, one one thing about that song is it has no end. Like I've been at some parties where people do it for like it's it's like as long as the electric slide lasts. I'm like, yo, like so so the so the illest thing is, and Ka may know this. The illest thing is. That if you go to Red Lobster in yes. in Co-op City, they will sing that version of Happy Birthday. Oh to my you. God! Yes, yep. they will. Yes, they will. It is absolutely true. They will sing it, uh, and they will sing it in perpetuity until you tell them to stop. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Until you throw Cheddar Bay biscuits at them. Until, <laughs> until you throw a Cheddar Bay biscuit at somebody, Yo. or almost. Yeah. It's it's actually really dope because when we used to do it, when I used to work at Red Lobster. Uh, you would go back into the back room where the, you in in the line kitchen, and you'd be like, "Yo, we got a birthday at table, whatever." And then you would see everybody be like, "Shit, yeah, damn, we got, <laughs> uh, damn, we got a birthday at what table? Fuck, okay, everybody, get your get your stuff together. You go roll out, you clap it up, hey, happy birthday, and then you go out and do thing. It is it is magical, and it's also the Red Lobster that Nicki Minaj used to work at. So that's, yeah, that's the same Red go. Lobster. Right. Hey, a little bit of red lobster skinny, trivia for Skinny well. Nikki, what they called her. Hey, the only, <laughs> only the best from Co-op City Red Lobster. Only yeah, the best. Yeah. Only the best. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of stuff to talk about this week. We do. Uh, I, I wanted to bring Latoya on the show because there's this fantastic article that you did on The Undefeated. Um, and it was one of those things that we got a chance to take a, take a look at and and dig into, uh, especially on the heels of, if you're familiar with the 2K League that just uh, dropped into existence, uh, at least the draft did, all the players are finally there uh, as of yesterday. As of yesterday, um, Latoya put out this really dope article that basically talked about why there wasn't a lot of representation of black folks in esports. And we kind of think of esports in multiple ways, right? We think about it in terms of, uh, you know, Dota is the biggest, I would think, at the top of the hill when it right. comes to esports at this right. point. Uh, then you have League of Legends also in there. Um, and then you have a smattering of other stuff. Overwatch is kind of pulling itself together in that space too now. Um, but now 2K coming into the fold with 2K League uh, is something totally different. And it was fantastic to see you covering the event yesterday. Um, and I wanted to kind of dig into um, a little bit of the event and also, you know, what were some of your thoughts about that particular uh, kind of um, thing taking place after you've written this particular article? Yeah, so those things were strangely unrelated when I started this journey, and then they tied themselves together. Um, so I wrote the article because I gave a talk at GDC, uh, the Game Developers Conference, about this same topic where I was looking at, like, confronting the PC console divide, which is really about, like, race and esports. And so I was working mm-hmm. on that talk, and I was like, oh, okay, let's go ahead and do it, drop it. Um, and then at the same time, we were watching kind of like the emerging currents in esports, right? And 2K League was coming up, and like 2K is not necessarily what you would think of as a traditional esport, right? It's not the, uh, it doesn't have that huge spectator audience that most people tend to associate. Uh, it's just a very different kind of thing. However, it's from yeah. 2K. They had their first ever combine, which made it very interesting from an ESPN perspective, right? They're like, who has a combine? 
for esports. They were like, nope, we got this. Okay, we're doing it. So they had a combine and try out. Uh, they decided to do the teams, the way they structured the teams, the way the NBA was involved. All those things were just fascinating. And then, of course, the 2K player base has a player base unlike, I guess, what you would call more traditional esports, where you're like, you know who was playing. It's a very mainstream game. It's played on consoles. It's played, I mean, like, almost everybody in the world is playing. So I was really looking at that going, okay, what is the 2K League about to look like? How does this look and how does it start changing mm. kind of the demographics that we currently see? in professional esports, right? I should mention here too, and I try to be very clear about this. I said it in my talk. Um, I don't think I put it at the top of the article because it was already too long, but I'm like, let <laughs> <you> me <know, laughs> be really, really clear. I'm a gamer and I'm a fan of games. Esports is kind of a newish thing. Esports is a thing I got into when I got into ESPN. Um, and that's because video games there tend to take the form of esports as a whole team. Uh, you know, super, super great people, shout out to the esports team. And they cover this all day, every day. This has not been my world. So I was like, oh, you know, I like video games. Like, that's it. I don't really watch League. I don't watch Dota. I don't really truck with it. Mm -hmm. Until I discovered the FGC, there wasn't really one for me to, like, do. Then I was like, oh, there's fighting games. Okay, I can do this. This is a place. However, spending a decade, I think I started writing about video games on the internet in 2006. Right? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, dynamics. Things I understand. <laughs> Stuff I've seen before. Maybe I can, like, just... And just slide in here real quick with this old knowledge and see if this is still going on. <laughs> it is. So that's that's literally where that article came from. I was, I was sitting around going, hmm, right. there's all this new money in this space, venture capital, you know, Inc. two years ago named Riot Games Company of the Year. It's all this stuff. And I was like, and we still ain't there. Hmm. Right. How does this right. always keep mm. happening? So that was right. literally the genesis of that article. I was like sitting around going, where's the, what, how... Let me just look into this and see what's going on. And then, you know, started trying to figure stuff out. And then when I looked up, you know, race and esports, and I just wanted to know, like, what's been written? Not much. <laughs> Not very much. I was and, like, and oh. you so And you just... sound surprised. Well, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised. This has literally been my whole career. I'm like, let me be the person write about black people on Vine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always the one being like, what are we doing? All right, let's do, let me, uh, let me write about that real quick. And then that's the only thing. <laughs> then you're an expert by default. Right, yeah. I wrote one piece. Yep, by, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ex <laughs> expert of one. Yes, you know? exactly. I was, right. I'm literally the only one that wrote the thing. Like, okay, fine. Well, right. let me keep doing that. Um, so that's yeah, what started. I, I was, and then, yeah, when I started looking I'm into sorry, it, yeah. I started just looking at the dynamics. And I was like, for me, the important thing was not necessarily like, I mean, trying to cover esports. This could have been a book, right? Like each individual game has its own history and context, player pool. Like everything is different from every single thing that you do. Right. Um, and so, you know, it was collapsing a lot of things into each other to try to make a article that, you know, works. But the biggest piece of it too is like, if you look at esports as just like a network of grassroots independent things that people are trying mm. to like pretend they are like, oh, we just, you know, we all love this game. We popped up and then we all started playing. Great. Right. 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 That's one thing. Your pool is your pool. Whoever's here, whoever's here, you have just walk-ons that make sense. When you start throwing this amount of money at something, we're not talking, mm. you know, when venture capitalists start calling, when billionaires who own sports teams start calling, we are no longer in the grassroots era. We are now in the making of a new economy era. And that's right. the thing I want people to start thinking about very critically, right? Uh, games right. are fun. Games are joy. Games are art. Games are so many things, so many different people. But games are also an industry. Games are a business. And we got to think about what that means. Yeah. You had a thought like an hour ago. Sorry. Yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah, it's, it's been an hour. No, I was... I was just going to say that I think that a lot of the writing you'll see about esports and sort of, I guess you'll see more about ethnicity in countries, I think more than sort of the African-American experience, because I know 
especially in games like Overwatch and StarCraft and League, there's always a, this perception that like the Korean player base is sort of supreme, right? And that the like mostly white American teams can never get like grounding in these games. So I typically see quite a bit of uh, very uh, xenophobic uh, articles and and uh, writing on that because a lot of times the American teams, even in Overwatch, like like uh, you'll see it, they'll hire away people from like Korea and like some of these other countries to fly over and play on the American teams. Um, And I know some of that um, has like happened with uh, 2K as well, because I know that there's some people that got drafted and like are moving to those cities, right. To, 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 to um, play on those teams. Um, How do you think that like, you know, if like somebody say, you know, uh, move say you know from from New Jersey to Milwaukee as I did, um, and hope I'm like hoping that the league will have sort of you know very uh, stringent rules about like toxicity and that kind of stuff in the league. How do you think that it'll play if like somebody say moves and then they basically you know either get warned or 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 banned or like something like that because because of a uh toxicity reason how do you think that like that will affect you know the uh, league specifically for like a people that are you know basically moving cities or even countries to um to play yeah so one i think there's an interesting article we've written about class in leagues and draft day um, the kids who spent a lot of money on a plane ticket they couldn't afford. Uh, there were two right. players that didn't actually make it because they didn't make the background check, which I thought was really oh, interesting, interesting. And they were tweeting about yeah, it. Interesting. Uh, who's that kid at Forbes? Is it Brian? Something like he is super yeah, good. Yeah, um, yeah. But like, uh, yeah. Shout out to Brian Mazik. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian Mazik. Yeah. yeah. Like he's been, you know, on it. Right. I was like, I'm right. just coming on the side here. Clearly, this right. is the dude in the space. Um, but you know, reporting back and like looking at everybody's Twitter feed and talking about like these hopes being dashed. So that's one piece of it, right? Looking at that. The second piece is that, like I said, 2K League is a totally different animal than most of any other esport, right? It's coming in with, uh, it's, I mean, it's coming in with the type of backing and funding and structure of the NBA, which the other sports didn't have. Like they're making it up, they're doing their own culture. Um, mm. And they're growing their own cultures, right? Like the, the culture base of StarCraft is not the culture base of Dota. It's not the culture base of Smash. It's not the culture base. Those are all different places and players. The NBA, though, is a large family brand. They ain't mm-hmm. playing this. <laughs> this is not going to happen. And even on the right. stage, Adam Silver and his presser is going, okay, well, we need to figure out why there's not more women in the sport. And we're going to confront right. the toxicity. Like they're from the jump. Mm-mm. Right. Mm-mm. We're going to have right. to figure out what this is, right? And so the, I think that baseline level of, um, what are we just going to call it? We'll call it toxicity because it's like that brew of like misogyny, yeah. homophobia, racism, transphobia. Like yeah. this is just a brew that people just like to sip on and spit back out at the screen. Um, <laughs> that we accept this weird baseline in gaming, like to the point where you're like, okay, if it's this much racism, I'll just deal with it and not think about it. And then if it's this much racism, we'll be like, go and deal with it. And if it's this much racism, we're like, yo, can you stop doing that right now? But like, you start getting used to dealing with it in some way. Um, and then even yeah. the woman I interviewed for the piece about 2K, the woman that made 250, Wendy Fleming, 
um, you know, I was asking her about it and she was very nonchalant about, you know, harassment in, in sports games and playing 2K and feel a part of the community. Um, and then it wasn't until like the end when I'm asking her a couple other questions where she goes, yeah, you know, I'm playing and like this guy was calling me a B, right? Like, oh, there's a B on the team. And I was like, girl, what? Like in combine? Right, right, in the right. combine. Um, yep. But I think that's also like not 100% of the, that part of it isn't 100% of the issue of why more women aren't necessarily in 2K. But the whole idea of toxicity is something that the NBA is going to handle much more aggressively, I think, than right. the other esports. The other esports are kind of like, well, this is like part of, we have to like deal with something, right? So you saw that whole thing with like Blizzard and Hearthstone, where they're like, mm-hmm. we are going to do better. What is better in this, in, this, uh-huh. in, this right. in this spectrum, right? So far, we have not seen much better. But the NBA is much more aggressive about like, no, this is not, this cannot happen with our brand and our teams and the amount of money that we have put into you. And the types of meltdowns that we've seen take other pros out of esports, like absolutely unheard of in the NBA. I'm like, I'm, I would, I would be shocked if those players that they flew out to these different things weren't getting that same kind of rookie treatment um, and yeah, rookie camp yeah, yeah. that they put, uh-huh. you know, the uh, the the more traditional basketball players through, where they're going through and they're being like, "This is how you act in public. This is how you're supposed to conduct yourself. This is what you're not supposed to be doing because you're a representative of our brand now, right?" And then of course these kids, like they've signed <laughs> contracts, they've moved cities. Their paycheck is right. on this, right? There's right. there's very right. little room for being extra, right? So, uh, you know, and it's funny that you talk about that kind of stuff. And we, you know, we talked about uh, uh, last year, uh, so uh, the Madden Championship, and the person who won the Madden Championship had a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, once you hit some fame and notoriety, people start digging through your crates, uh, and and you know, and the crates in the digital age are your tw- are your Twitter. Uh, and there was uh, a lot of stuff um, in his Twitter, in his Twitter history, and in his Twitter present um, that uh, made him made him less than a uh, a grand figure for uh, EA Sports and and the Madden brand. Uh, they wound up fining him, but the fine was 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 a pittance compared to the amount of money that he won. Um, the thing that we know about the NBA is that the NBA isn't shy, especially since, you know, the, 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 uh, the ethnic makeup of, of the league, the NBA has been really at the forefront of, of, uh, talking about issues that concern our diaspora. Um, the thing that I want to talk about is, the the income you know you talked about the checks that these guys have on the lines um the amount of money that they're able to make or that they'll they'll be making i think that the the range is anywhere between 32 and 35,000 dollars for the 6 months uh, that they'll be uh, signed under contract where where do you think uh, you know is this a sign of of the nba because again for those people that aren't initiated uh, uh adam silver talked about how this is their fourth league, the NBA, the WNBA, the NBA G League, which is their developmental league now sponsored by Gatorade. Ding. Uh, and and now the NBA 2K League. The G League players make about half of the amount of money that the NBA 2K League players will be making. Um, is this a sign of the NBA really kind of putting their money where their mouth is? Um, or, you know, or is this is this a sign of strength uh, or, or belief in 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 this system? And do you think those those incomes will increase if this becomes a success? Uh, all of the, I mean, like all of those are, are true statements. Right. So one, 
the NBA is really looking at, I mean, my colleagues, uh, Jacob and Ohm just wrote a great piece on how like they felt like Adam Silver was one of the godfathers of esports in America, right? Um, because of the, how big this rollout was for right. a relatively unproven concept, right? Are people going to watch Pro 2K? Right. But the league is betting. Right. They're like, look, the 17, <laughs> these are the first 17 that signed on. We're trying to get to 30 right. in the next three years. Like, we want to have every single person have one. Because they're looking at the revenue model overall. And, like, sports revenue is really fascinating and really complicated. Like, how they actually mm-hmm. make the money. So it was right. funny. Even, like, my editor, Raina, had asked um, when I was writing this, she was like, what sport league does esports compare to from a financial perspective? And I was like, I can't answer that question. Like, right, right, how do right. you start? Like, even if you start pulling stuff, so I was like, okay, maybe soccer. Maybe soccer is like similar. Right. So I go look at like the money in, in you know MLS, and I'm like, okay, well, esports is, as an industry is pulling in more than like individual teams, right. but those teams also have like alternate rights, like types of income and revenue, right? So mm-hmm. it's not just like here's the players and here's the money and then here's the ultimate prize pool. It's also here's the licensing of our gear and here's like our stadium funds and here's like the appellate stuff that we do. And then here's the licensing of our likenesses to video games. And here's this and here's that. And there's all this alternate revenue. Here's the broadcasting fees. Here's these, that there's just no way to document. Also like the esports data is bad in general, <laughs> just so you right. know, like right. depending on who you ask, you get radically different uh, pieces of the market. You get radically different estimates of how much this is worth, what money is coming in, how you quantify that money. Do you count betting or non-betting in the overall esports take? Like, what are we even counting? So, like, there is a lot of work that has to be done before you can say, like, this is what money looks like. But I think from um, one of the reasons why it's so interesting to me from a financial perspective is that most of these young kids, right, who are signing these contracts for 32, 36, these are, like, very good jobs, right? Right. Yeah, and absolutely. Right. honestly, more attainable, right? right? For so, Like, a lot of these kids have put in way beyond Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours to be, you know, some of the best in 2K. And for that effort, they're about to be rewarded with steady job, paycheck, contract employees, like good working conditions. There's a lot of stuff that's happening with this league that doesn't necessarily happen in other leagues. um, That makes it almost better than a job. I was like, what are the alternatives? Like some of these kids are like 18, 19 years old. Right, right. Like, Mm -hmm. what were they doing before? Driving Uber? They're working at, like, what were they... Oh, that's a right. that's a fun yeah. thing I want to explore at some point. Like, what was your life right. before this, right? Because they kept getting singing happy happy birthday to you at Red Lobster. Yeah, you know, slinging cheese, right. <laughs> slinging rolls. Like that's what they right. were doing. Right. And they kept mm-hmm. saying, "They're like, it's a dream come true to be playing video games. Like, this is yeah. my this is my dream. Yeah. This is my dream. This is my dream." So being able to see that dream attached to a salary that most people in America aren't seeing anymore, mm-hmm. especially with the mm-hmm. rise of the gig economy, like this is big. This is big business. This is a big deal. Right. And uh, yeah, like I also was very shocked that they made more than the G League. I was like, right, starting to look that like a like, weird too. like that definitely right. bugged me out. Right, yeah, yeah, it's like it's amazing by, by and, double. I mean, yeah, by double. And, yeah, and then like the G League also has their own issues because like then those players who are good enough could also play in foreign leagues. Foreign right. leagues tend to pay and more. Make a lot more. Same right. problem in the WNBA, right? We yeah, were, right. we ran right. a uh, right. we ran like a Vice Sports clubhouse feature that was produced by Carmelo Anthony, and one of them was on like uh, Simone Augustus and like her crazy mm-hmm. schedule to like make money by playing in the Russian leagues, but maintain right. in the WNBA and like what that actually meant. And like, so right. again, so like the whole like player compensation thing is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think in part it's because esports has so much capital flowing toward it right now. The people right. are like, we're willing to invest and then pay, put the money in for top talent in a way that they haven't necessarily seen for their other leagues. And they're like, okay, but also esports is benefiting from kind of having that tech halo 
having a video game right. Halo, right, right, having right, a sponsored exactly. Halo. So people are like, okay, let's right. invest a little bit more into this because we don't know what this could be become. And right. then the scale, right. right? So people know like the scale play on these games is amazing. Video games, as we were, I think we were talking about a little bit earlier, um, and somebody actually tweeted that response to my article. They're like, it's not a racial issue in the U.S. It's Koreans versus everybody. And I was like, <laughs> right, right. okay, okay, okay. We sure, can, we can sure. discuss right, that. Because I put that in my talk. I didn't put that in the paper. I'll be fair. I'll be fair. Because, well, because there's, okay, so there's, let's not act like everything is a fair playing ground, right? right. What has the state of Korea done that the United States hasn't? What does their broadband mm. look like versus ours? Right. What does right. their infrastructure look like versus ours? Like, these are questions you got to start asking when you talk, talk about, like, are we are we forwarding the best competitors, right? Mm. Uh, esports right now has this like walk-on model and that's what they're assuming everybody, the best person is the person who showed up to play and then beat all the challengers currently here. But most traditional sports, they have some combination of both walk-on and scouting where they mm. go and look for people and they go, you know, this person could be really great and we need to develop them to who they can be, mm-hmm. right? To go on, like it'd be, it would be unheard of in basketball. I'd be like, hey, this is great kid, LeBron plays awesome but he didn't show up to the tryout so we're not gonna (laughs) do anything (laughs) he doesn't exist like but that is totally esports esports is like "Ah, they weren't here whatever moving on right Um, right but you know and those regional things these national fishers are really interesting to watch too so like i I was listening to a talk one time i think lisa nakamura was giving it she's like an og in the digital race space she's literally a person Mm -hmm. that wrote the book on race and cyberspace um so lisa was giving a talk and she talked about how another gaming scholar said gaming was the first transnational space, right? You can play a game, you can play especially an MMORPG, and you can be from anywhere in the world, whatever, and you're playing alongside everybody else. Boundary means nothing. Border means nothing, right? We're not seeing the same types of international tariffs and stuff like that that dictate the other types of culture that flow around the globe. You know, so video games is this opportunity for a new space. And esports is interesting because now they're bringing that nationalistic focus of sports that we see in the Olympics every single year. Right, and they're right. pulling that into game space in a very interesting way. Um, so, like I said, there'll be a lot to develop out of that. There'll be a lot to emerge. Um, there's, you know, there's heavy esports interest in Europe. There, I think there's an esports school in Scandinavia that I was like, this, this wow. all they do is rock the wow. esports. And so it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how each country then invests in what they feel like is this burgeoning infrastructure for esports and sporting events, and see how they end up doing that. And that will really talk about how this economy is shaping. Well, you, you know, so uh, there was something interesting in, in everything that you said was interesting, Latoya. But but there was something very specific that that was interesting to me was was uh, about the, the the conversation behind uh, the revenue model for for esports and, and specifically uh, the NBA 2K League. Let's talk about merchandising. Do you do you foresee a moment where, uh, you know, there's somebody has a maverick you know the the dallas mavericks e e league team i forget what the name is but with you know a jersey with dimes's name on the back with his number um it, it, you know will will we start to see that kind of stuff will we see endorsement deals for and, and do they and do they and do they have the the leeway you know, does Dimes have the leeway to sign a an endorsement deal with with a third party vendor now that he is the first pick overall in in the in the E League? I mean, so one, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know what his contract says. I haven't seen him, so I can't speak for that. Right. But right. theoretically, of course. I mean, like, you're seeing that with uh, uh, the new draftees in the in the you know standard league in NBA. So like De'Aaron Fox, right. who we profiled. Took him to EA play with Mark Spears like last year when he was rookie. 
Um, and like he got a headset sponsor, a keyboard sponsor. His gaming is—he's almost as known for his gaming <laughs> as he is on the court, as he is off the court. Like the oh, kid yes. is a—the kid is a gamer all the way through. And so, so he's been able to get sponsored stuff like that. So of course, like these kids can start saying like, "Oh, these are my." I mean, like the league, of course, is going to own a lot of these things, sponsors. So like the official sponsors, Alienware PCs, like stuff like that. They won't be playing on anything else. And so, how right. the league allows them to monetize against their own likeness is going to be—that's a question that I think is still getting worked out. And that's interesting. Right. Could we see people mm-hmm. with dimes jerseys? I mean, like you see this with Equifax. They sell their jerseys. Right. Most people right. do sell their right. team jerseys. The difference with 2K that makes it very interesting, and that's been like the open question here, is that like yes, people want to see players who are playing their favorite avatars, their favorite people. Um, mm-hmm. But is someone going to want to see someone really play the virtual Steph Curry really well versus the actual Steph Curry? Like that's right. a very right. fine. That's a very hard thing. So there's a lot of questions with the 2K League that are not answered yet. Has it started? We have to see. Is there an appetite? Right. Is there an audience? Is there, you know, is there something more here? Um, and then in, in terms of the integration with the league, there's a bunch of other things that they could be doing that other esports don't have access to. They have access to the entire NBA infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. Are they the halftime competitions now? Are they the pregame competition that get people hyped? Are they right. going to travel like Harlem Globetrotter style? Like what right. they could do anything because they have that infrastructure. Right. So, yeah. you know, like for them, you know, there's a reason why Adam Silver and them have invested so much into this, right? They think they're going to get that revenue back out. So the question yeah. is how, and then how does that also impact the players, which is always the question that should be at the forefront of people's minds, right? What's happened to players. There's a reason why, like people don't like talking about race in esports. They don't like talking about gender, right? But it's like these things are also tied up in questions about labor and questions about money and questions mm-hmm. about how you're treating these players, right? This is why we're starting to see players associations form. This is why people are starting to try to have like actual standards and unionize because players are getting ripped off. You're trying to see all of the things that happen in sports are happening in esports. And so you're starting to see right. those infrastructures feed each other. Yeah. One of the interesting things that I kind of noticed in the ramp up to the actual draft was, and it was one of the things that I was kind of harping on a little bit uh, in the background. I was like, have my little picket sign. I was like, where the black people at in some of this marketing? I don't see any of this. There was like two, there was like two white kids who were getting a lot of the kind of press when they were doing at least even the ramp up, you know, yesterday uh, when the actual uh, draft was, was being held. Um, What was the, what was the, and I I guess I kind of asked this question based on the fact that we've seen previously when it comes to the NBA, there's this very interesting uh, pushback to hip hop culture in the Iverson era, right? We saw this very uh, specific pushback towards hip hop culture, towards specific blackness, specific versions of blackness that they felt were, were profitable and also palatable. Um, And we saw that this was a conversation that was happening in the NBA space. And now we see, you know, the political uh, aspects kind of pulling themselves in with LeBron being more politically outspoken, uh, the, the WNBA um, players having their 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 kneeling moments and their in their t-shirt moments, uh, and talking about those things. Do you feel like there's going to be a space where um, the 2K League, which has been very apolitical in lots of ways, right? Like we talk, we've had folks on the show uh, talk about, and and folks in the Madden space too talk about. You know, there are things that they don't want to touch in right. in in those spaces, in those outside spaces where that Venn diagram hits. Um, do you feel like they are fully going to embrace, you know, a lot of these young kids who are coming from wherever their hometowns were, 
um, uh, uh, and talk about some of those stories because they didn't do any player profiles during the broadcast. And that was the thing that as a person who's looking at the marketing side always, I'm like, how do you get people behind a league when the most important thing, especially in the digital form, is going to be the players? It's going to be the people who are going to be the ones behind those virtuals, behind those sticks. And that's the only way you're going to get people actually involved with any kind of esports is getting those stories out. When, do you feel like they're going to actually take the time to go back and do some of that work and actually talk about and bring those stories to the forefront? Yeah. I mean, I think when I was reporting the second piece, when I was talking to um, the women that didn't make it and trying to figure out why more women didn't make it, one of the things that the NBA mm. said from their side was that they had no idea who the players were because it was just handles. It's all screen names. So they didn't know right. who they were, their backstory. All that stuff was getting verified like the day before the draft went live. There wow. simply was not time, right? Like I'm sitting there with my editor going, all right, hold on. They haven't verified that there's no women yet. They're still going through they the background They said that they didn't check. have time, though? Seriously? Well, it's not, they didn't say they didn't have time to profile anybody. I was saying oh, that okay, from, okay. The, from the very accelerated time frame that they were on to like launch as they have the draft. Because gotcha, they, right. they, they made a very beautiful video that maybe people didn't see because it was between first round and second round. Uh, mm-hmm. But they made it very beautiful of like getting the kids styled, right? Because they did that. Mm-hmm. They were in a, what I find really interesting is they're really trying to inaugurate the kids into the league. It's not right. just that they're the esports players, right? They're giving them right. the same traditions, right? Do you have your draft day suit? Mm-hmm. Right. Swin right. Cash was sitting there talking about that. Did you do right. that? And so they showed the stylist that they hired these kids to come through and be like, let's have your individuality show on stage when you come and draft. And like, again, like these are gamers. These are not necessarily like, you know, so it's a different, I think, aesthetic overall. Uh, But they were also coming, you know, they were doing like a barbershop tour, like the stuff that they would do with rookie players. They're also doing with the incoming rookies for the 2K league. And I thought that was really interesting. Like that was a a fascinating thing. Um, Will we get to know? Well, who knows? (laughs) We don't know. And then of course, each team has their own culture. They're all rookies. Right. They're all rookies, <laughs> and each and each team has their own culture, and they're meeting the new rookies too. So it's like there's a lot that I feel like there's a, a lot that will emerge with the two K mm-hmm. league. It's just it's too new right now to really say mm-hmm. what's happened, what hasn't happened, and to say that definitively. I feel like you can't do it yet because it's just too new. Like right. we need three or four games, or we need to look at how the marketing evolves over time. Right. We need to look mm-hmm. at who they think they are targeting. And who's actually showing up? We need to look at these things, right? Um, but there needs to be a little bit more to go on, I think, until we can make, right. you know, determinations about like how they've chosen to pitch anything. I think at this point, it's as new to them as it is to us, and everybody's just going, "Is this even going to work? It's a six-month contract. <laughs> like, right. is this a thing that's going to continue? And if so, yeah. like, you know, we're going to everybody's talking about the second round of draft and like next year's rookies stuff like that." We ain't got through this year yet, so let's see right, what right. starts to emerge. <laughs> and then I also think, too, there'll be some things based on the team that they were drafted into. So it's like the Warriors yeah. are a very outspoken, very unified team about these types of issues, and they feel fine like bringing stuff out. And then when you have superstars like LeBron, like that, they can help set the tone for the league. They can say, oh, I'm fine with being fined, right? And the way that like you know, LeBron and them can, will take a fine for a million dollars for you know, wearing a shirt that they weren't supposed to and whatnot. Um, the WNBA, right. like when the Liberty protested, they all got slammed with fines. And there was a campaign oh, against yeah. NBA players to pay the WNBA fines because a lot of the WNBA players are making 70 grand a year. They're making what the esports kids are making. So, like, right. Right. you know, right. and so there's, there's, there's some patterns there that, again, like I said, I think they have to kind of play out. And I feel like, too, with the reputation that gaming has, um, and again, like the NBA is like, we are not playing that game. 
I think the players are going to be extra cautious in this first batch because yeah. there's so much riding on their participation that they're not going right. to bring up like a lot of these different pieces uh, that might make up their personality. And we'll see more comfort. I, I feel like there'll be some players that are just going to be themselves no matter what. But we'll start seeing more comfort as things become more stable with the league. Cool. So um, when I watch um, the Overwatch League, which I'm a big fan of, there's usually a couple hundred thousand people watching at any given time. Um, and this is a league, you know, where they have, you know, they have matches about, I think, three or four days a week. Um, so it's like very regular and they have playoffs and all that stuff. And they've very consistently been able to pull that like amount. Um, you know, when when Drake, you know, and Ninja and these other people played Fortnite, f- f- Fortnite they had, you know, they set a record for con- for concurrent viewers on like twitch which was you know like 500 or, or 600 thousand people at once do you think that the that this league can survive based on the existing esports audience that is already tuned into things like a twitch that is already watching games like league and dota and overwatch and like a Fortnite, PUBG, or do you think that it's critical for them to reach out and get a more mainstream audience to get interested in esports for the league to survive? Well, I mean, like I said, it's not an organic league, right? Like, there was a player base for 2K, and then the NBA came and wrapped infrastructure around it and decided to make it a pro league, right? So it's not fighting for survival in the way that other games would be. So that's like, it's a separate thing. And then two, so like, yes, viewership, spectatorship is the normal way that we would pace an eSport and say like, okay, well, this is, it has this number of viewers, stuff like that. This is popularity. This indicates this. It's how you get advertisers. NBA is on a different model, right? They may have a totally different revenue model in mind for this that we're not thinking about, right? Right. Like they might be like, yes, it's going to be viewership and ties. Or maybe they're like, no, 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 no. We just need people to come to the stadiums when we don't have games for NBA. And uh, that's what's huh. most important to us. We get the stadiums, the concessions, the stadiums are full year round. We're good. Like that right. might be their revenue model. And if that's their metric, because we don't know their metric for success for this league, right? Their metric might just be like, are they hyping the crowds enough? Do we have a full stadium, you know, five nights Ooh. a week instead of three? Right? right. We don't know yet. Don't, I hope they don't do that as their model. Right. I mean, you <laughs> don't know. You don't know. We don't know. Um, right. It could be, you know, it could be concurrence on Twitch, they could decide they want to see if people are going to do it on NBA TV. It could be a metric of how many more people are now playing 2K, right? right. Mm-hmm. How right. many more people are competing and, and participating in the 2K community. Maybe that's just enough of a metric. So we kind of don't know how they're basing success, which makes it difficult, right? So we could say, like, viewership is the most traditional one and saying, okay, right. they need to do it. Um, but we don't know what they're basing it on. And then, two, to your other part of your question, um, I do feel like, the NBA is going for a much broader play. They're going for a much bigger scale play, which sounds weird because when you think scale, like you really think about like the global multinationals, the bigger games um, that are over the more traditional esports side. And I say traditional esports, you know, like the last decade, yes, traditional esports right. side. But <laughs> Pat says it's been twenty years, and I'm like, okay, I believe you, I believe you. But um, but um, you know, so we can see that type of scale. But the NBA scale and the mainstream scale and that like crossover play between people mm. who are not esports fans, people who are sports fans, right? And then all these folks in the middle, right? Your more right. casual fans, folks who are fans of esports, even though they don't necessarily play video games, fans of esports who play 
certain things and not other things, trying to figure out if we can capture those fans, right? Is there a way to deep, more deeply engage? And then, of course, esports always gets like that very coveted demographic of the, you know, uh, 18 to 24 or sometimes 16 to 24 year old male, mm-hmm. right? Then that's what everybody in sports is currently chasing. Right. The view yeah. that male has changed, his habits have changed, what he likes to watch has changed, and they're moving yeah. toward that. So, like I said, it's it's complicated. Like we'll see a little bit more of the master plan, I think, unfolding as you yeah. see where they put the emphasis. But it's a little bit tough to call it like right now. I wonder though, and I'm happy that you brought that up. And I didn't really think about that, and weirdly, I didn't think about how new people are going to be in- ingesting all this new content from uh, a thing that they maybe maybe kind of already touch in their non in their non-sports lives because it's like this is a digital sport but it's not the same thing as going to watch or participating in the actual sport itself which i think is going to be an interesting hurdle that they're going to have to try to figure out in terms of presentation uh as far as the league goes but i didn't think about that until you said it they're going to get opened up to a new level not new level of racism but like an extra level of like we see how there are some really racist sports fans, right? You, you go, you go to a, a stadium, and you, you know, you take your Kaepernick jersey out. Oh, you know, yeah. you, get, you know what I mean. Like you'll, you'll, you'll hear oh, all the stuff in in those spaces. How, I, I, how does how does the league deal with that now that that's a, another virtual? You're bringing more people and more eyes to these folks who are going to be black and brown who are going to deal with stuff that I'm sure they deal with in their digital lives. Now they're going to get this from folks who are probably paying to come see them in the same way that the, 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 the normal, the regular athletes are going to be having to, to, to figure that stuff out. How do you feel the league and both cause the league and 2k have big stakes in that, right? They don't they want do. their fan base to seem like they're racists in and of itself. But how does that kind of work itself in your mind about how the league and both 2k uh, are going to adjust to that stuff too. Well, so, um, Ora Stewart, who I interviewed for the first, uh, for the second article, he's there, uh, mm-hmm. the chief of diversity and inclusion at the NBA. Um, like they're like, we got a committee on this. We're working to figure <laughs> out how do we make this better? Like, this is an immediate thing that we're working on. They're going That's full good. bar at it. Right. Which is interesting. Cause like I said, I have not seen a lot of successful diversity initiatives come out of gaming. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like you know, we've been, we've been beating this drum a while. We've been beating this drum right. since Custer's Revenge, man. Like, there right, needs to right, be, right. We need to fix this. <laughs> and it still has not happened. Like, this is not moving right. in, in a direction that where you're like, oh, this is progress, right? And even, like I said, even after huge embarrassments, right? So, like, I wrote about Terrence Ann and Hearthstone just because I was like, there's so much racism I could bring, but let's just look at this one incident, right? Let's just look at this one time. And you're looking at what happened to this kid, oh, and you're going, like, "Looks like Latoya froze." This really could have been okay. prevented. We'll see. We'll see. Anybody could have prevented any right. any 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 um, pre-planning. I never freeze. Um, yes, anything could have fixed. Oh, it. there you go. But it just it yeah. just it just didn't, right? right. Um, and so it's it's going to be difficult because it's like, how do you solve a problem like entrenched racism and sexism that you see in real life all the time that people are totally right. fine with, right? Um, and that now people are more emboldened to do so because they're in all of these spaces that reward this level of like toxicity and terribleness. And everyone's like, well, this is just kind of what you're dealing with if you're playing and don't worry about it. Um, but with a very family friendly league, that's like, no, this is not, this is not how we want to go. And like I said, I think they're thinking really hard about moderation. They're probably thinking really hard about inclusion. They're thinking really hard about uh, probably player contracts and what you can and mm-hmm. can't say. 
right? right? There have been esports pros who've lost their careers over ill-timed outbursts and, you know, yep. racist stuff on their feeds. And so, you know, you'll expect some of that to probably continue. Um, but like I said, the NBA is trying to be much more proactive about it than I've seen any other uh, sports company be. Like a lot of the esports companies are kind of more like, oh, did that happen? Oh, that's unfortunate. Okay, well, we'll, we'll just be over here. We don't know how that went, right? Um, whereas, you know, the NBA is like, no, we need to like try to tackle this early on. Now, is that enough to turn a tide? Especially when, you know, these things have been continuing apace for, I mean, how long has 2K been out? Right? right. Like, right. you're not going to change a culture right. of a game immediately. So figuring out, like, how do you create a space where every player can play, you know, free of that type of abuse, especially if you haven't been able to accomplish that in real life, it's a very tough order for the digital space. Right. I, I you know, it's it's funny uh, that we talk about it. And obviously, it, it's definitely going to be a concern. But this is the NBA. And, and uh, you know, this is a space where not to say that it doesn't happen because it absolutely does. But this is a space where where, you know, uh, most of the athletes are black or brown. Um, and, you know, in fact, uh, if you're a white American, especially uh, and and an NBA player, you are the minority in the league, um, and and you know while the fans are diverse, I think that most of the fans are um, they carry an expectation that the, that the best players, that the players that they're cheering on, won't look like them, and I think that um, for the most part, those fans of NBA Two K would would likely believe that the demographics would be similar they don't you know obviously it's not a one-to-one type of thing but uh you know outside of the fgc there is i think that i think that it's probably in games like madden and nba 2k that you're that you expect to see the largest group of marginalized people playing as players uh at the highest level um so i you know while I definitely am, am concerned about toxicity in in esports and in the chats and in in uh, the way that fans interact with with the players, I'm less concerned with it in the in for NBA 2K League than I am for Dota or League or Hearthstone, um, which you know we've already seen uh, when when uh, you know a player with a great tan goes out and they're playing online. <laughs> Um, you know, how, how people react. So, um, you know, I, I, I definitely have a lot of confidence in the NBA and in 2K, um, partially because of, as you said, LaToya, the, the, the way that, uh, the, the NBA has been aggressive about this and how they are preparing themselves for this, but also because the fan base itself is, is, is more used to, and, and maybe even has an expectation uh, that the that the players are going to look the way that they do. Hmm. Yeah, and that's a really, really good point. I mean, like, you're totally right that there's a sports empathy in some mm-hmm. ways that is different from other places, but it's not total. It's not permanent. No, right? no, not but at it, all. But it's, it's an interesting thing, and it's it, there's some of that, like, national, like, local kinship, too. Like, people feel like right. they're attached to LeBron. He's a Cleveland boy. Right. He's a Iowa boy. He's an mm-hmm. Akron boy. Like, this is our right. guy, right? right? And they can transcend whatever might be awkward racially, right? If they right. saw LeBron outside of that context, if LeBron wasn't LeBron, he was just a regular guy, right? 
Wow, he wouldn't be a regular would, guy. He's 6'8", 270 well, okay. pounds. <laughs> okay, okay. 6'8", 270 pounds, black man rolling right. around. Okay. Right. Yeah, rolling right. around. And, you and might every have a second you see but... him, his hairline is moving. Oh, is... oh, <laughs> hey, hey, you know, send your LeBron um, factual hate to at Stubby Stan. You want to get hit with a Sprite. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. exactly. Right. And you know, run me over with a, with a Kia Forte. <laughs> right um but when sports players transgress right when they do something that um i think particularly white fans will go oh we can't we can't rock with this right anymore. right absolutely that's absolutely. when you start seeing stuff so it's interesting because i think absolutely i think we published an article we as in the undefeated um recently about kind of like how the warriors winning streak has allowed them some of this freedom to stand tall and to talk about social justice and to do it in a very direct way Right. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're basically America's team at this point. Everybody wants to see Steph. Everybody wants to see KD. Everybody wants to see them win. They're like, oh, right. yeah, it's the Warriors. It's the Golden State Warriors. So the Warriors can be like, okay, actually, can we talk about this? Can we talk right. about that? Can we talk right. about these other issues? If they weren't winning, would they have that same flexibility and freedom? Very and that's something that a lot of athletes do wrestle with, right? We look at the legacies of Muhammad Ali and John Carlos and all the folks who've mm-hmm. taken stands over the years, right. and those were some rough years for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those were years where they were yeah. blackballed, yeah. where they were pushed out for opportunities, where people didn't want to deal with them, where they were, you know, stripped of their awards, stuff like that. It's only right. been when, you know, the arc of justice bent their way where they were able to be reinstated right. and people like recognize what they did. So yeah. it's, you know, it's a it's a tough and it's a really, really tight line that most athletes walk. It's very tight. Mm-hmm. Where there's, you know, and it's it's also in that vein of like being urban or being too urban, right? Mm. Um, for mm-hmm. athletes, right? Like how black is too black. And we brought up, you know, the nineties and Iverson and like hip hop culture being in the league and people being afraid of it and right, resisting yeah, it right. and saying they don't want it. Right. And you right. still see some of that playing out today. Right. Like, so now the league is people are more accepting of hip hop culture in the league. They're, they're there, but also like, again, like how black is too black. How right. is too black. Right. There's just, there's definitely been like a massaging overall of kind of like the mm-hmm. ideal black athlete image. And it right. definitely needs to be one that's not too aggressive that's not too in your face about things that feels more like an everyman feels like you guys could hang out, feels like you guys could have a beer. And there's a right. lot that goes into that, the maintenance of that image right. that you can, that you can uh, invite to dinner and maybe date your daughter. Yes. Maybe. And that was, that was, a, that was the thing with, with Iverson, um, the cornrows, the tattoos made him off limits. But also yeah, iconic. And now everybody's tatted up. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's been 20 years. It's been 20 right. years. Right. Oh, my God. He was, he was the right. trailblazer, right. right? And now, like, I know. It feels like Damn. everybody's years. like, how, right. how has it been that long? How can I count yeah. things in 20 years? Like, yeah. I know. I mean, oh, man. I'm like, Tyron lose a coach. Like, I was yep. stepped over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it, 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 it is really crazy. Um. So I know that me, you know, as like somebody that sort of navigates between the video game work that I do and the teaching that I do in math and physics and stuff, I typically get into that conversation about like, you know, like, what else do you do? And then I start talking about games and they kind of like their eyes gloss over or they're kind of like, wait a minute, what, what, what kind of stuff is there in games to write about? Or this is just something that my kids do or like whatever. Um, as somebody that's also navigated a lot of like different like journalistics bases and like n- 
now like you're like you know at the worldwide leader where where they've been doing you know like traditional sports for like a long time do you feel like they that you sometimes have to justify you know like uh covering gaming stories as like being serious or real real sports or like something worthy of uh of uh talking about yeah <laughs> i mean that's <laughs> that's been the theme <laughs> like i mean I started writing my video games on the internet in 06 for a super defunct, like you can't even find these servers no more. The Iris <laughs> Network with an all-female gamer magazine called Cherise. Long oh, time ago. Wow. This has been, mm-hmm. it's been in the paint for a while, man. Um, and when I used to write about games for Racialicious, there was always that immediate like shock. So I play video games and then you're taking them seriously. <laughs> and then, you know, you write about it for a while and then you stop doing it and it's dead for a while. I was talking to uh, Evan Narcisse. So Evan, who yes. is now writing Shout for Black Panther. Yes. Rise of the Black Panther. Right. So, I mean, so yeah. back we were all just nerdy bloggers. We were hanging out writing about video games. And Evan was on Kotaku and stuff like that. And I was at Jezebel. Right. And I was talking to him, oh, okay. not too recently because he's been busy, but, you know, fairly recently. Sometime this year. Right. And I was like, remember when there were like eight of us writing about racing games? And he was like, I need to see the receipts. Were there eight? Right, right. It was eight. Like, there was like, this is not a thing that generally happens. And even now, like, so we are so many years out from when I started writing about games. God knows when the people from like One Up, Shoe, all of them could tell you Mm -hmm. from back in the back in the day, right? I remember when Escape was paid twenty five cents a word, and they put that up there. God knows they paid now. (laughs) Forgot. But like, remember the Escape was like the spot you could write for. The Escape is Kotaku, MTV Multiplayer. Like, there's only like this many. Right. And then before that, mm. it was us with our blogs, right? But um, even now, it's really hard to get people to understand that there's so much more to gaming than just, oh, kids are just kind of doing this, even as it's become more accepted. Um, and you hear that in the fights about, like, our game's art, of course, but why are we? We're not having this debate. That's not even, uh, right. you know, right. we hear that over and over and over again. And even, like I said, even at the worldwide leader, right, you get drafted into esports. Let me tell you how I got there. So mm. I wrote for the esports issue of the magazine, not because uh, not because I had any great esports experience, but because I was hate tweeting a book on the plane. And the, <laughs> and the book I was hate tweeting was the Grand Theft Auto story, Jacked, by oh, David Kushner. Oh yeah, sure. Okay, so sure. David Kushner is like the Ronan Rowe of video games. Like <laughs> Ronan Rowe wrote all the old books about hip hop. So whether you liked him or not, whether you agree with him or not, whether he was just writing shit that was crazy. You had right. to read Ronan Rowe. There was nobody else writing scholarly books about hip-hop when he was doing it. Now there's more. Right. We got right. Jeff Chang. We right. got all these other people who are in the spot, in the right. space. But right. back then, it was only Ronan Rowe. Right. And so if he was being right. creepy about women or whatever, and, you and had to Nelson, deal with that. And Nelson George. Well, Nelson George, right. you're right, right. Post-Soul, well, post-Soul America. The post-Soul yes. generation. Right, so he was an OG. But he wrote yes. three. Ronan was cranking him out like he had a contract. I was like, oh, my God, why was he talking? So I'm reading, and so David Kushner is like that for video games, but he writes so many things, right? And then I was reading it, and it was just, you know, as a woman, you realize something is not for you, and you're okay with that. I just wrote that about, like, Ready Player One, where I was like, you know, I grew up on white boy narratives. I knew what this was when we walked into this door. I didn't finish the book because it was too gross, but the Spielberg took that part out enough where I was like, okay, this movie's going to be fine. You just get right. used to certain things. You shouldn't have to, but you do. You're like, right. all right, well, this is what we are. That book hit my threshold. Remember I was telling you about that threshold of like, okay, this is my mm. acceptable level of like bullshit racism and I'm not going to deal with it. Right. This is this, yeah. Right. 
so we were here and he was comparing he was comparing the buttons on the galga machine to a vaginal slot it was it was was the go back and read that book it was nasty i was tweeting about it i was like i hate this guy this is the nastiest men writing video game stuff right so i was tweeting it and megan greenwell who is now um the (laughs) editor-in-chief of deadspin uh, megan Uh greenwell was watching from this flight and she goes I didn't know you played video games. Yes, I do. Do you want to write for the esports issue of the ESPN magazine? And I wrote, I don't know anything about esports. You sure? (laughs) 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 I played video games. So that piece became The Legendary Adventures of a Girl Gamer. I think there's one of a woman in there somewhere. And they were like, fine. Go with it, Latoya. Great. Wrote the thing. (laughs) Got the check. Was great. Good magazine money. (laughs) Cashed that joint. Was like, thanks, guys. I don't know shit about sports. Won't be working with you again. It was fun, though. Then the undefeated happened. <laughs> oh my god! And we're like, yeah, Kevin, who's my boss, is like, oh yeah, because we were gonna go. He was at the post. I thought that's where I was going, and he was like, yeah, about that. I'm actually going to ESPN. Same job over here. Let's <laughs> go. Right. I was like, oh, all right. Well, I got race and I got culture, but I ain't got sports. Is that cool? All right, cool. Go over here. Let's go do that. Right. So on, right. so on day two of ESPN, right? Day two. Like, can't even log into my computer yet. I don't know how anything works. I get this phone call from this guy named Dan Kaufman, and he launched the esports vertical. And he's like, "Hey, Latoya, we read your article. Do you want to like meet some people? Here's the other gamers at this company." And it Ooh. turns out there's like a little gamer cabal of like, "We must all like make this stuff happen." Yes, I'm gonna go. Like, we must have to nice. make this happen. So like, I was like, "All right, I'll join you, gamer cabal." Like, these are my people anyway. It's fine. Right. You, you, these people happen to be all white guys. I didn't find out like other gamers of color and women until later. But I was like, all right, we could be cool. This whole new squad, they welcomed me beautifully. And I was like, okay, so that's how that happened. But even at a huge place like ESPN, where I think, you know, the majority of people there played video games, they loved them, they have good memories. We just did NBA Jam Day. Like, right, shout out to Cliff right. for getting that done. We just did that's NBA right. Jam Day, had a whole retro right. thing. And even still here, we're like, no, this is for real. and they keep like drafting so it was like i was like i don't know enough about esports and that's been two years and i'm like god damn it i'm just rolling with esports it's fine it's fine i'm here they got they got me in a kimes from the magazine they were like mina you can do profiles can you just do some more they just basically like keep trying to pull anybody who's got any kind of like connection they just rope us in right so still still fighting i guess that's the that's the Long answer to a short question. Still fighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, fight, fight that fight. Uh, so you know, it's an interesting thing that you said, uh, Latoya, as as you were talking about it. So, so you you weren't a big sports fan going into the undefeated. How did you develop? Because because clearly, as you're talking about things, it's clear that you're knowledgeable about about sports in general now. How did you develop? <laughs> how, how did you develop that that language, uh, going you know going forward in, in such a such a short period of time? Well, I'm a geek. I like to learn things. This is at some point. It's just you got to learn right the thing in your right life, on. and you're surrounded by it all the time. But right. I'm hoping that my staff is watching and blowing me up in this chat <laughs> because they were like, my husband when I started was like. Latoya, don't go in there and say Stephen Curry. Don't do it. Please don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And I would be sitting places with like Monas and Ozzy and Lois and Morgan. And they would be getting like so hype. And I have no idea. That was Michael Wilbon. Who? Okay, sure. Great. (laughs) I I remember Tony Kornheiser. He used to have a comedy column. Like, I don't know. 
Yeah, sure. Right. They're, our, they're upstairs. <laughs> yeah. What's up, y'all? And then, like, one time we were at All-Star the first year. And I'm like, I'm trying to learn. I'm going. Y'all. I'm trying. I'm all, I am I always just try to be honest about who I am because I'm like, look, they want, right. if you try to front, then people will come and blow you up. Right, if right, you come yeah, out yeah, like, yeah. look, I'm sorry, then they're cool with it. Right, so I was right. sitting down and there was a tall guy in basketball shorts sitting next to me and I was like, okay, cool. So I'm just like on my phone, like producing the shoot, doing the thing. And then the guy gets up and I get up and go to my staff and they sit there low somewhere and they're like, what's going on? You were sitting next to Grant Hill. <laughs> and, didn't say wow. that. and I was like, I wow. should have got that because I remember when he married to me and they had that music video. Like I right, 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 right. I was watching well, that one. Damn, this that right. one. So like, right, but over great. but over right. time, people keep repeating. You know, there's certain names that are important. There's certain right. sports that you get to. Right, you right. start watching games. If you, if you're looking back in my Twitter feed, you'll notice I have like y'all remember that movie Living Large? Uh huh. Yes. That all that that old ridiculous black B movie where he feels like he's right. turning white. Yes. I feel like I'm turning into like a sportsman. Right. And, I'm like, <laughs> and so I keep catching myself doing stuff that's weird. So like I was at a party with a bunch of like other media people and it's mostly women. It's like me and the one guy in the room, we watching the sports game. And I was like, I'm like, get here. Right, right, right. So, like, who, who am I? Who yeah, am I? What, What's what happening? Happened? Right. I know right. when games are on. I was just like, it's going on. I was like, yeah, it's Michigan going to be on later. It's cool. It's- right. <laughs> um, but I think it's because I'm surrounded by it all day. And you just have to like, right. at some point you start right. picking stuff up. I'm still ain't crisp on it. Like, there's a Twitch stream that exists in the wild that when Mark Spears, who's my homie, he's the other gamer at the Undefeated. Love you, bro. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Mark Spears and I ended up playing Madden for our charity Twitch stream. And I was like, not only do I not play Madden, I don't watch football. What is offsides? What is happening right now? (laughs) But I almost won because it's that gamer, like, ridiculous gamer luck where you're like the newbie and come in and you like start dominating everybody. I like this play. I'll push this button. Yeah, I was like, yeah, because Mark is like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm hitting R1. What? You said hit R1. I'm hitting R1. Like, this is going on. It was was great. Like, it was that final score was 12 13. Just so you know, every man in the building, because keep in mind, like, this is esports. Overwatch people went on break. They was like, "Yeah, y'all can play Madden. Go do it." Every right. man in the building was like, "Oh, she make this field goal. It's over, y'all." She really she going. <laughs> <laughs> like, We're going to overtime. We can't turn this right. off. What's about to happen? Right. So I mean, it's just you hang around and you have some of the best in the biz at your back, right? I had to interview right. Baron Davis one time. I'm texting Mark Spears. Mark, who is Baron? B Diddy. Shout what is out. going on? Right? right. And like in the middle of the interview too, because I told him I was like, "I'm sorry, I'm the geek. They sent me to the VR part." I right. don't really know too much about sports. I'm going to try to ask you as much about VR. My friend is Mark Spears. He'll vouch for me, like, whatever. Right. And in the middle of the interview, Baron Davis goes, you really don't know who I am, do you? Right. Right. <laughs> That's so, kind of great. I just try to stay in my so, geek lane at work. And then if anything else happens at sports, I'm playing EA Sports, they worked right. out, and I don't ask no more questions. <laughs> <laughs> so so favorite, favorite sport, since you're new to it, favorite sport? Oh, well, that's really easy. It's the NBA. I also like boxing yeah. a lot. Boxing, I got okay. into. All right. But uh, right the NBA. On. NBA is Geek League. Like, there's, <laughs> like right. they do a bunch of stuff. I pretty much understand what's going on. The players are cute. Like, it kind of works out. Right. What are your thoughts <laughs> about curling? Right. Oh, actually. So we produced a piece with Vernon Davis from the Redskins teaching us about curling because he's a big curling Yo, man. Stop Diddy. playing. Yeah, Diddy. Stop playing. On baby. our website, honey, like we did a joint, we joint collab with ABC. So That's Vernon awesome. Davis is he's the head of like the Washington D.C. curling league. 
Wait, what? Yes. Yes. Yo, I need yes. to talk to him. Yo, I need Vernon, to talk to him. So yeah. Yo, I need to talk to him. Go watch it. <laughs> like, Yo, I need, to, I need Davis, to find this article. Vernon yes. Davis is your curling man. Like, if you need oh, to know about yo, curling. Yo, yo, yo. Come try to get my tweet. We tried to get him and Dominique Foxworth to play. This job takes you down so many weird rabbit holes that you're like, oh, of course. And then also, too, like, if you care about stories and care about storytelling, sports is actually a really great place. Because there's a lot of absolutely. stuff that's absolutely not getting covered, and you're just like, so what is that? So what's happening? What is CTE and Concussion Protocol? What are all these mm, things? Right. And we start asking these things, you start learning so much about the players and who they are and where they came from. Right. Um, there's a great piece of journalism because we were at All Star, and Lois and Art and Morgan were arguing about Demarcus Cousins. And mm. anything about him, no thing. And they were like, no, you got to read this piece that we drug published on ESPN called The Madness of Kings. And it was all about right. like, you know, managing DeMarcus Cousins in the back house of the Sacramento Kings. And I read it and I was just like, oh my gosh. And then now I care about DeMarcus Cousins. I want to know what happened. Uh, (laughs) And this is how they get you. These are the stories. And then these are the stories that they're trying to start creating around esports, right? These are the stories because you will take somebody that knows nothing and get them invested because they want to see what's happening to this player. They want to see what's going on in this league. They want to care and they want to know more and they want to see what's going on. That's my, that's my, my 2018, 2019 goal is to bring curling to Twitch. Right. I want there to be you need a to black call curling Davis. team. Okay, there to be a Vernon black Davis. curling team on yes. Twitch. Yes. And we're going to make that popping. The Word. the one question I have before we let you go cuz we know we know it's late East Coast. Oh yeah. Is one of the one of the things I was thinking about and wanted to ask you specifically because this is a thing that I jo- I joke about on the show is that esports is the new uh, e- esports ownership is the new uh, restaurant slash car wash, car wash for right. yes. NBA teams and for <laughs> black ownership. So you talked about you talked about uh, the economics of it and, and seeing you know a thing I noticed in two K league was I didn't see a lot of we know there's hardly any black owners in the actual NBA. There were very few black coaches in the two K league, and I didn't see hardly any black uh, uh, GMs either. Right. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be a thing where, you know, 2K league aside, because I, you know, that's going to come from the leadership of each NBA team. But we see with Rick Fox, um, and Echo, and Fox. With Echo Fox, you see Shaq with the uh, 2K league as their GM. Right. Right. Do you feel like this is going to be a space where you see uh, uh, black, black athletes and also uh, black entrepreneurs trying to jump in here and actually make a play? Uh, to kind of build some of that wealth uh, um, and, and see how that's going to grow um, from that standpoint. We could, but that future mm. is not guaranteed, right? And right. that's that's the hard part, right? Yeah. So that relationship is one of the reasons why I'm so happy to work for the Undefeated, right? Because we can actually explore mm. these stories, right? Aaron Dodson from our team was at the draft with me, and he was doing a profile on the one, <laughs> on the one right. black coach in this league, right? There's also one female. Really mm, interesting. Right. Um, I think she's following me on Twitter now. Shout out, Angie. There's like one. <laughs> um, there's a couple black DMs, right? Rick is doing something totally different. We did an in-depth profile on Echo Fox and that whole crew last year before they took Evo. Right. Uh, and that right. was that was unexpected, too. Like, they were not tipped to take Evo. We did it because we were like, hmm, we got an esports company with two black principals. We got Rick Fox and Jace Hall. How did that happen? Right, and we went right, down right, and they were right. cool, opened up their offices, talked about their model. Right. And we just felt like it was a really smart and interesting take on it. So we got that up. That's the business of Echo Fox, uh, which we published last year uh, as part of our esports package. But um, but the people who are like Rick Fox are rare, right? 
Um, a lot of this right now is speculative money. They're hoping mm. it'll be something big. People don't right. really know. Right. It's still like the same kind of squads. And the people who have the most money to be able to get in here and license and franchise these leagues, these leagues are charging. Like these things aren't free. You can't just organize an Overwatch League. Right. There's a bunch of stuff that you had to do. You had to buy in. There's all these things that had to happen. And that right. wealth is starting to get consolidated by some players. Like um, there was one, what is it? Good Luck Have Fun, Roland Lee's book from the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. That's a, that starts with like the business of esports. And it's like, it's the beginning, mm -hmm. right? Everything is still coming together. Stuff changes right. every single day. But we are not in this space enough uh, where I think we'll be able to make a significant impact, right? And like I said, that's why I'm so concerned about the FGC in specifics. And like, even as I argue for like more money in the FGC, I know that's going to irrevocably change the culture. And mm. it might not be a thing that people want. Like, there's downsides to everything, right? But yep. if you look at it from a purely financial perspective, right, the best shot is having these kids from the FCC, the people who are already organizing tournaments, whatever, step into the pro lane. And we're not seeing that happen in the same way, at the same rate, with the same money that you see on the PC side of esports, right? Which is why I wrote the article in the first place. I don't really mm. care if somebody's like, oh, sorry, you're totally wrong with this. This is not what it is. I want people to start looking at that disparity early, right? right? Before it is entrenched, before it's locked in, before it's been 15 more years, and everybody's sitting around the panels going, why isn't esports diverse? We don't need to do that, right? Because we're here right. now. And we can see what's happening. Um, the other piece of it, too, is about just money and investment and how that capital flows, right? So, like, mm. Rick Fox was an accomplished basketball player. And he right, had enough right, money right. to invest and to start doing these things. And he still pulled in three homies who were richer, right? And Stratton right. out of it. People who made Mad Bank starting VeriSign and, you know, creating cell phone infrastructure around California right. to come in with him to invest this capital. And they actually created a venture capital firm of which the esports side is a piece of like the overall package that they do. All right. So like I said, so Echo Fox is on a whole other kind of thing and it's very, very fascinating to watch. Right. On the other hand, you have people like Shaq, right. Who can sign and be there and be a face of something and be a part of it. But again, that's his basketball earnings that are funding this. And there's not right. too many of us who just have that kind of money to front a team laying around. Like most of the guys who own esports teams, on the other side of the aisle, they aren't famous. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. You don't know their names or whatever. They've made their money right. other places and they're just dabbling, whopping stuff out, having fun with it, figuring mm, right. things out. So we are not in that space and infrastructure in the way that we would need to be to help kind of influence the future of it. And the spaces mm. that we are in are very, very limited, right, right. From, a, from a revenue and upside potential. Yeah. Um, some of it is questions of like, well, why don't more African-Americans start their own game publishing studios? Why don't they do that? And we've been having that co that conversation for 70 right. years, right? right. It's, it's super easy, super easy. Just, we've been having these same conversations it. and cycles about capital forever without actually mm -hmm. trying to change something. So I feel like, you know, right. as esports is still nascent, this is the time to jump in on it. This is the time for people to start right. looking at what this business opportunity is. And like I said, to the credit of athletes, they've been seeing it you know, more quickly, I think, than the average investor, average consumer. But as these investors come in and like, you know, my talk at GDC was about the PC console divide. My colleague Ryan's talk at GDC was about billionaire money coming into esports mm. and particularly like what is expected. Like it was interesting. Ryan's last slide was of a billionaire kissing Tom Brady on the neck after he won the <laughs> Super Bowl. It was a really interesting wow. shot to look at and to talk about what's going on. And I think Ryan's like parting words were really like, you know, these billionaires own sports. They're coming for esports. What are they going to expect in return? And when you look at the billionaire pool, we've only got three on our side, on our team, right? Right. Is Oprah right, going to get into esports? Right. 
Right. Right. Right. Right. Is Robert Smith going to get in the esports? Esports, right. 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 We ain't got Bob Johnson in when he fell out, but you know. We got yeah. to get, get Byron Allen in there. We got to get right. him in right. there to see if we got, we got to figure out there's, you know, people. Maybe Jay Z and Beyonce can combine and do it. But it's like, right. are they, you know, but after that point, like, right. Right. the field is being again. Gaming. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it would mean, t- it would be a thing though. It number would totally one, work. can I just say my ongoing campaign for them to bring back Def Jam Vendetta so we can play as Rihanna? Can I just yeah. continue? Oh wow, wow, wow! Wait a minute, that's a little too real. That's a little too real. <laughs> no, I'm feeling that. Let me tell you, like, she could be like just just like throwing cases of like Fenty. Uh, okay, right. number one, I had a lot of fun playing as Method Red, but I really want to play as Rihanna because I feel like she got this plus Fenty right. Beauty. Like t- yo. we need to. We need to have you back on just for that conversation <laughs> alone. Don't just for that alone. I, we need to have you back on. I the was show for like, that. don't don't get me started on all the game and weird shit that's on here. I was like, let's just. Right. I met the producer one time. Do you know the producer for that game actually got married to Swiss Beats? Yes. Yes. Fabulous. I was yes. like, Swizzy. they met on the game. I was like, see, video games don't yeah. put together. Like, bringing it, you bringing them together. <laughs> but anyway, that this was a that was a, love. yes. But Jay, I mean, but like, we really need to think about like wealth, income, earnings. Because again, if you're not playing at the higher levels, you won't have access, mm. right? One of these kids who right. takes home the championship in Dota and comes home with their personal take of $10 million, they would have a shot at licensing an esports league, being a coach, funding whatever the hell they wanted to fund, right? But if you are playing Street Fighter, if you play Capcom, if you're doing these other things and you're coming home with your $50,000 slot, maybe yeah. that you split. Sorry, chat people. That you split, like, what ends up happening? What, like, there's yeah. just less money in the pool. There's less money to invest. And again, we see this all over society. It's not just video games, right. but it's a thing that, again, we should all be taking more seriously as folks who care about parity and equity. Because, mm. like I said, esports is not just organic game scenes anymore. This is a new economy that's emerging. It changes people's lives. It can change people's lives. I'm talking to Wendy Fleming. She works at a call center. That money is life changing. That opportunity is life changing. It would have changed her life. She's going to try again, and I, you know, I'm going to be rooting for her every single step of the way. I yeah. can't wait to see her, all the other women in ball like her. Like I want to see them succeed. But we need to, like I said, we need to be realistic about what this is. This is a new economy. These are new types of jobs. These are new things opening up as the rest of the economy is extracting. We can't afford to have people being left out of this economy. We can't have the best players not being able to support themselves over essentially ridiculous stuff right yeah this is dumb well man the toya i i knew when i met you at gdc <laughs> and i was like we gotta get you on the show at some point oh, you're gonna yeah. spit fire and you're gonna, you're gonna drop some bombs and knowledge the, on everybody at home the worst part was you met me while i was drunk so i don't know what she was there what she was there for we, that was the microsoft like, <laughs> that was the xbox one right like, yeah that was the, that was the, the yeah box i was game. like hated <laughs> the toya was like yo yeah. Yeah. i was like is that <laughs> this is what happens when you've been around too long right? i remember when blacks in blacks in tech at south by southwest was 70 people and it was like their first meetup right. ever and we were all wow. like oh it's seven. they was like oh it's 70 of us y'all we in here like right. <laughs> so I'm just anyway, saying. we get i'm so, overly hype at any industry event i'm sorry <laughs> no, I, no I'm, I'm i'm happy that you are because you know you know how industry events can be they can be real real stiff so it's like when you get people who are dope and they know they don't, it's good to have them in the same space. Um, 
definitely give a plug to all the stuff that you're doing before we let you go. Let us oh, let God. folks know at home if there's any any uh, stories that they should definitely be checking out that you have done or folks at the Undefeated have done that you're really excited for. Right. Well, please. And check there out was the a, there was a there was a call out to uh, your GDC talk also. So if you oh, know perfect. where to get that, yeah. Yes. Okay. So I will find. So GDC poster talks. I know Pat was trying to get it in the free section so that y'all won't have to pay for the vault to see it. I don't know if it's up yet. I haven't got like the little email or whatever, but Mm -hmm. once I have it, I'll send it the crib version, the very like truncated version. Cause that was a 30 minute talk that I squeezed into like five pages, cut all cut a bunch of stuff out. So I have to get that back. That version is available on the undefeated. You can go read that at any time. All you have to do is type into your browser. Why aren't more black kids going pro in esports? My article will pop up. There you go. That's all you need to know. So that's there. Um, Yeah. And just please check out the work of, people who are writing seriously about games, right? Before me, there were many, many folks in the field, right? You could check out Tanya, you could check out uh, Kishona, you could talk out Shira Chess, you could check out um, Mia Consalvo, who's been an OG for a long time, Robin Hunicky. There's so many people who have written such amazing stuff that was the foundation of my work that you should check out. I try to shout out as many people as possible anytime I write something <laughs> and link mm-hmm. to as many great thinkers and writers because uh, I think gaming needs us all to really be looking at these things in a very uh, structured and intelligent way. What, the last thing I want to do is have esports be like so many other things on the internet where stuff wasn't documented, so then it, people think it didn't exist or it didn't mm. ever happen. Got to document these stories, right? That's the whole point of being a storyteller so Word. that people don't forget. So that's Word. it. Uh, if that's people wanted to get in contact with you, how can they do that? Right. So I do check my Twitter sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> When I feel like it, at Latoya Peterson, that's the that's the uh, that's the easiest. If you don't know me, how to get in contact with me? Um, you can generally find my work on the Undefeated, but I'm normally on the back of the house side, chilling as a producer because I don't write publicly no more because I don't feel like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could also, but you can find me generally digitally on the internet. I don't give out my gamer tags. I feel like this might be the last year that I could actually like claim that and not right. get dragged by my friends. So at some yeah. point. At some point, I'm gonna have to like start letting people know where I am. No, you don't. On. You but don't have to. You know. But also, like, <laughs> I got a four year old. He plays as me sometimes. I don't want. I'm not opening him up to that. Like, no. Yeah. Word. Right. He be in right. my games. Also, stuff. if if you run into uh, into Jamel Hill in the undefeated offices, <laughs> just dap her up and say, "Spawn on me, loves you." Word. Yo, that's Word. that is the truth you, of all truths. We, do, we do you know, do you know how many carry point. notes I get from this job? I'm happy to do it because Jamel is with us now, so it's great. Right but I mean, now. like, but I'm also like, I was like, I don't know Stephen A. Smith. I can't help y'all. I can't send. We don't want him about on the show. Said. Nah, that's <laughs> not, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, like, yeah it's of all the people, of all the people who I don't want on the show, Stephen A. is at the top of that list. But Jamel and Michael do game. They're always out here. They do a bunch of stuff with Marvel. They're cool. We would love to. We'd so, love yeah. to have them on the I show. Will, I will, next time I see her in the office, which yeah. she'd be traveling, so who knows? So yeah. do I. So who knows? But next time I see her in the office, I'll make sure to pass along. Let's let let y'all know. Of course. Okay. Uh, see, we are about to get up out of here for episode 215. We are? Okay. Yeah, we're about to get up out of here. Uh, let everybody right. know the social media business, please. Uh, before I let people know about the social media business, I will let people know here in the Twitch chat, if you are in the Chicagoland area and happen to be going to C2E2, the Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo, uh, your boy will be there. So come, uh, if you see me, grab me, hug me. I'm telling you it's okay. <laughs> Say what's up. Uh, unless I'm in the middle of an interview, 
If I'm in the middle of an interview, just wait. And then you can grab me and hug me. I'm a great hugger. I like him. It's cool. Uh, and, you know, say what's up. You know, give me a little uh, pound. Throw some Cheddar Bay biscuits at me. You know, say uh, Bacargo loves everybody. Uh, that'd be cool. Um, we'll have a great time at C2E2. And uh, hopefully I'll see you guys there. Uh, but uh, for those of you that are not in the Chicagoland area or are not going to be visiting Chicago, uh, social media business is as follows. Uh, if you want to follow us, go to all of your social media channels at Spawn on Me. That's where you'll find us. If you want to follow us individually, check the bios. Our information is in there. Uh, go to spawnon.me. That is our website where you can find this episode and all of our episodes in our archives. We know we have some new listeners. There is lots of stuff here. Latoya's got to go through the archives as well. We've got really, <laughs> really great guests uh, such as Latoya uh, in, in our archives. Go ahead and take a, a gander and a perusal through those. Uh, this show is live on Twitch every Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, check them out there. If you miss us there, you can catch us on our podcatcher, on your podcatcher, um, whatever it is, whatever your favorite one is. If it is a place where you can subscribe, please do so. Rate and review, obviously. Tell your friends, obviously. It really, really helps uh, do that. And if you want to continue to help us, uh, you can spend as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash spawn on me to get access to one show one extra show a week and another extra show a month the Bacargo Beltway and if you want to send us a message that is longer than whatever the limit is on on Twitter nowadays (laughs) you can email us at spawnonmepodcast at gmail.com also, 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 if you are one of those folks who likes cryptocurrency, you can donate cryptocurrency to us now in our Twitch chat. You can do that underneath the video that you see or hear right here. So you can do that too now. That's a cool thing. Um, thank yeah. you, everybody who's out there in podcast land and in Twitch land for rocking with us this week and every week. We love you yeah. all. Go give yeah. C some love at C2E2. Uh, don't grab him too hard. Uh, he's gentle. Uh, so we're yeah. going to get up out of here. Thank you again. <laughs> And we say peace. Peace. Peace.